You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Summer School Electronics. Summer School Electronics is a pedal company from Syracuse, New York, making incredible stuff. There are a few summer school devices knocking around the shred shed, and I can tell you from personal experience, they sound great, they hold up, and Mark is a super cool dude. The first pedal I saw from them was the Science Fair, which is a parallel classic drive and distortion. And now they've released a new parallel concept called the Class Reunion. The Class Reunion takes a 90s muff style circuit and combines it with their Trash Panda, which is like a soft clipping, high gain, amp in a box style circuit. And it is a super, super versatile combination with all kinds of clipping options, parallel blending. It's really, really rad, a really cool idea, and I think you should check it out. So go over to summerschoolelectronics.com. That's summerschoolelectronics.com and check them out today. Hey, what is going on, everybody? I hope all is good in your neck of the woods. I'm really excited to get this episode started for you. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Steve's a great guy, and we had a great conversation. But I do have just a few little tidbits of house cleaning I want to get to before we jump right in. So, first off, last week I asked for a couple reviews, and you guys slid in there and made that happen. So, big thank you to the folks. We're now sitting at 103 uh, reviews on iTunes, and that just is just tickles me pink. So a big thank you is in order for everyone who did that. And if you if you haven't yet, more iTunes reviews certainly does not hurt. So if you feel like doing that, wonderful. And just one last thing before we get into the show today. If you are subscribed to the Tone Mob newsletter, then you already know about this. But I want to tell you about something that our friends, the Effects Loop, the Effects Loop podcast, that is, are doing for the month of September, which is almost over. They are putting on a raffle to benefit the Autism Self-Advocacy Network. We've got prizes up for grabs from Big Ear Pedals, Gun Street Wiring Shop, 1981 Inventions, Yellow Cake Pedals, G7th Capos, String Joy, Westminster Effects, Rare Buzz Effects, and Like My Pedals. So it's just another one of those really cool things that the people in the gear community have put together and are doing to help other people, and I think that's just fantastic. You can find the link in the show notes, or you can go to go.rallyup.com slash autism rocks. That's go.rallyup.com slash autism rocks, and the link for that will be in the show notes as well. So yeah, that's all I have for today, and we'll just go ahead and get right into this episode with Steve. All right, bye. everyone welcome back to another episode of the tone mob podcast the show about guitar tone and the people behind it i'm your host blake wyland and with me today i have steve demodash from demodash effects how's it going man hi good good normally i ask how how to pronounce things before and i was going to do that with you but i forgot and i just figured you know what i'm fairly confident in this so i'm just gonna wait wait, how did you say it i didn't catch it i said demodash is that right you got it yes like yeah, only like a third of people get that right the first time. It's hard to tell based on how it's written. I I felt I felt pretty good about it and the fact that I'd heard it said a bunch of times from other people. So there's that. Oh, really? Okay. Fair enough. Well, you know, uh, I'm obsessed with pedals. So of course, I'd heard it <laughs> a time or two. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think I've ever been in a video where I've said it. So it's just good luck that, you know, people have said it right enough times that people know how it's said. It's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I get I get uh Wayland a lot. I'm like Blake Wayland. Like, mm, there's no A there, but hey, you know? Oh wait, I how do you say it? Wyland. 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 Okay. Yeah. 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 All right, cool. It's close enough to Wayland, and you know, I'm a Wayland fan, so that feels that feels fine. I'll, I'll go with it. Yeah. So tell me about yeah. yourself, Steve. Like what is uh what's your musical backstory? How did you get to making pedals and you know, VHS based pedals at that. Like what, how did that happen? Oh, okay. So, okay. So it's kind of like a a series of kind of coincidences, I guess, or happy accidents. You know, I started, um, I'm an electrical engineer. I, but from an artistic family. So I went into engineering 
just kind of like, I want to learn how amps work okay. and, you know, kind of needed an education. So that seemed like a good way to go, you know, kill two birds with one stone. So I did that. And when I was in university, I was kind of recording myself, you know, I've got a big backlog of songs I've written and my friend lent me these really nice microphones. So I started recording over the summer, a bunch of these songs that I'd written just, you know, kind of for my own thing. I'd never really gotten out there and tried to advertise my own music, but you know, it was kind of a fun thing to do for myself. And I kind of wanted a bunch of different, you know, guitar sounds and I couldn't afford amps at the time uh, or a bunch of different, you know, vintage amps uh, being a student. So I started building myself, um, you know, pedals that kind of sounded like amps, you know, amp in a box style, uh, you know, for many layouts that were out there from, um, you know, just on the internet and realized I really liked doing that. So I kind of got distracted from the whole recording aspect and started doing that more. And, you know, I, I kind of did that off on and off for a few years, selling just on Kijiji, which is basically like a Canadian uh, Craigslist. And, you know, like just, you know, selling things for, you know, pretty cheap, like under $100 when I was done something. I, you know, and then um, last year, um, okay, so yeah, I graduated, started working, uh, you know, as an electrical engineer, software engineer. And then last year, I was like, well, you know, kind of started getting back into, you know, music and wanted to buy some more, you know, gear. So I was like, well, you know, maybe uh, build some more pedals, you know, just sell them just to make a bit of side cash, just to make, you know, dumb purchases. Yeah. Totally. And so I did that and I had sold something on Reverb recently before and before like selling things on the internet kind of seemed sketchy but after that that was like oh that was a totally fine experience whatever yeah sure so i started doing that with the pedals i was making and you know around the same time i was getting a tire changed my tire had blown and i was just waiting in the car shop for them to you know put it on a new tire and i was kind of bored going through and i had an instagram that i hadn't used in like two years so i started um you know uploading pictures to it of you know some of the builds i had been doing and, you know, switched it over to, I started calling myself Demodash Effects. I figured I'd need a name. And, uh, yeah, just used my last name because I couldn't think of anything that wasn't a really bad pun. <laughs> you know, that's a business name. <laughs> what, was one of the, uh, my... what was one of those early pun ideas? What was it? Um, acetone, but I would pronounce it acetone. Ah, just, gotcha. you know, okay. terrible stuff, terrible stuff. Um, so, yeah, I tried not to let my sense of humor get in the way of things, but, you know. I lucked out with that one, just being able to use a unique last name, which, you know, it is my legitimate last name. So that worked out. Yeah. And yeah. So, I mean, just kind of did that and you just kind of started blowing up, you know, pretty steadily. Uh, I was, you know, and I was just doing like, you know, modified clones or whatever, like, you know, I'm an engineer, but at this point, nobody knows who I am. So I'm not going to be able to market any original designs because Nobody wants something, you know, some crazy fuzz circuit that some no name with no credentials has, you know, kind of dreamed up. So, you know, it's just kind of whatever, just, you know, slightly modified clones. And uh, when I was in university, I ran the humor, um, what do you call it, magazine for the uh, Department of Engineering, kind of the engineering student humor magazine. And I picked up a lot of graphic design stuff uh, and uh, programs that way. And, you know, I'm, fr I'm from an artistic family. My parents work at the theater center here in Manitoba. So, you know, I've kind of got the eye for it. And so that was kind of like another thing. Once I figured out how to use like water slide decals and apply those, I was able to, you know, create artwork for these things. So that became kind of the fun thing to do was just putting new artwork on each new pedal. And, you know, uh, from that, you know, my Instagram, you know, started getting kind of interesting. And so I'm doing that for a while. And then, you know, I had the idea for the VHS one. So I did that and the graphic came before the idea for the sound. Like, you know, the graphic inspired the sound. I was like, oh, that would look really cool. How do I make it sound like that? Like it looks. And so I kind of did that. And it sort of started off as a modified Keeley Mag Echo, I think it was. Okay. And, you know, just kind of evolved from there. So it was like kind of that for like the first you know, one or two. And then I started adding stuff and subtracting stuff and kind of just morphing it into this own thing, trying to get that real garbled sound rather than just, a, you know, echo. Yes. Yes. And, yeah. and, you know, like I still do that to this day. Like I probably revise my circuits every, you know, 40 boards 
every 40 units, you know, make really? a little change. Yeah. Yeah. I generally don't announce it cause it's, you know, it's just a little small stuff that, you know, it's not like an added control or anything. I don't really want to add any controls cause I really like how it looks. So I don't want to like mess up the graphic, but uh, yeah, yeah. Little things like the most recent one is a wet dry blend. So now you can mix it fully wet, like on all of them. So yeah, little things like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's interesting that you said that it started life as a, as a Keeley Meg Echo, because you think about the history of Keeley and how inspirational and, and how many, like, and how many companies have shot off of Keeley and like how important uh, Keeley has been the man and the company to the, to this industry. Oh, yeah. And it's, and oh, it's yeah. interesting. He started off as a modder and, you know, an engineer. So that's, it's, yeah. It's simple. It I'm seeming, I'm seeing a connection here uh, is where I was going with that. Yeah. He started exactly the same modding and with an electronics engineering background. So that's kind of a interesting parallel, I guess I would say. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, it's not the kind of thing like I, I don't announce that and put it out there on my site. Cause you know, I don't want to use the Keely name because I feel like, you know, he wouldn't want that, but yeah, it's not, it's not like I'm trying not to what it is anymore. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Not trying to hide the origins or anything, but yeah. Yeah. I don't really advertise it either. Yeah. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Did you, did you have Keeley products? Like what, what did you start? You know, you started building pedals. You kind of laid that out, but when did you get into effects? Like, did you start building before you got into the pedal game or were you a collector? How did that happen? I mean, um, I had a few like cheapies basically. Like, like I said, I got into it when I was a student. So I had like, you know, uh, a tube screamer i had uh i think like a boss octave one you know nothing crazy right um right. yeah yeah just uh just a couple of cheapies i can't even remember i think i've you know traded them all away at this point so and i'm looking at my pedal but beside me i'm like no none of these these are all crazy what's on it now uh it's kind of a mess right now i haven't played in a little while uh actually i've still got my uh it's a Boss Bass Parametric EQ. So they don't make it anymore. I got it from a guy who was selling a bass that I got for my brother for his birthday. And he had this pedal that was made in the 90s. And super cool. So, like, I don't know, held onto that. That was kind of cool. But um, Petty John Gold, one of the 1981 drives. Mm. Uh, Cali76, one of the Dr. Scientist bit quests. I've got uh, My2, the 112+, Plus and the T120. I've got a T-Rex Replicator, Stramadico. Uh, Eventide H9, Tonesar, Halophase. Uh, what else is there? Oh, um, uh, Six Degrees FX uh, 11. Yeah. Yeah. I've, you know, I've got a bunch scattered around as well. But yeah. Yeah. That seems Those... to be what's there right now. Nice. That's a, that's a def- definitely a big upgrade from a, a couple cheapies and a Voss pedal or whatever. That you... Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, oh, I, 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 don't, I don't buy pedals much. Yeah, I don't buy pedals much as much anymore, but when I do, my wallet feels it. Yeah, yeah. But you get good ones, yeah. so it's okay. Yeah, exactly. It's kind it's of fun. whatever. Like so, like the Space Echo I bought recently. Oh, oh, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, like legit. Yeah, I got a Space Echo. It, mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me more, And please. I picked up... Oh, it sounds great. I mean, I haven't had as much time to play with it as I'd like, but... Yeah, no, no. I'd like to. I think I'd like to replace the tape on it. It sounds a little bit old, but I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But yeah, got that, and I got a magnetone, like late fifties, early sixties magnetone with a pitch vibrato, Ooh. which was great. Like it was really beat up when I got it, so I had to do a lot of repair on it. But uh, you know, I really like doing that kind of thing, so I was happy to do it. But I got it for about a third of the price I would have paid for a you know fully pristine one, so I like it. I like it a lot. I kind of like, I have a, I have a thing for, for beat up old gear. Like I, I was looking at, uh, the Fender super six, I think is what it's called. The, those big, huge, tall six speaker combo amps. I don't know. Oh geez. Um, uh, yeah, they're, they're completely ridiculous. I don't know why they were ever made honestly, <laughs> but they look really cool and I've seen some really clean ones, but I think they just, look way cooler with like a little bit of hole in the grill and like a little bit of Tolex peeling away. Like they've seen some action. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you know, the magnetone looks like it. And I don't know if I want to fix that part of it up. 
yeah. you know, I refurbished the insides really nicely, but yeah, I don't know about the outside. I kind of like it. Yeah, that's cool. Can you, yeah. I don't think a lot of people know about the old Magnetone stuff. Can you, can you explain what makes it so cool? Okay. So vibrato is kind of a weird word when you're talking about amps because Leo Fender decided to make it really confusing for everybody. Yes. So like on the Fender amps, you have vibrato and really it's tremolo. It's, you know, a pitch, uh, not a pitch, it's an amplitude variation. So it's like, it's going louder and quieter, louder and quieter. And, you know, if you're not really listening closely, that can sound like, you know, pitch variation, but, you know, it's not. And then there was a really short time for Fender amps where they had a brown face, which was harmonic tremolo, which really does kind of sound like uh, pitch vibrato because it's alternating between a high pass and a low pass filter. So you're going like high, low, high, low. Pitch isn't changing, just the amount, like the frequency content is, right? you know, it's alternating. But these magnetones are, you know, they're the only amps out there from that era that had a way to get the pitch to actually vary. And they did it by using these um, things called varistors, which are used for surge, uh, surge protection. So, you know, a really high voltage comes in and the uh, resistance increases, which, you know, in surge protection, you know, that's good because, you know, not as much current can get through. But right. the way they're used in this is like, you've got an LFO, that, you know, it's making just a waveform, I believe it's triangular or sinusoidal, and it's, go it's going up and down, and that's kind of fed to these things and making very resistance up and down, up and down. And so you've got two phase-inverted versions of the signal, one from the plate and one from the uh, cathode of the tube, and it's basically varying which one is being sent to the output, you know, alternating back and forth. And that's kind of similar to, you know, with using an echo line, like uh, an analog um, vibrato, you know, you're shifting back and forth, like how much time it takes for the stuff to get through the echo line. So, you know, it's, you've got your samples coming in and as they come out, you, you know, stretch them apart and push them together and you get this Doppler effect, you know, long, like further apart, it makes the pitch go down closer together. It makes the pitch go up. And so the kind of analog here is on the magnetone. Instead of doing that, it's, it's just kind of moving where the peak of the waveform is, you know, it's they're 180 degrees out of phase. So if while you're alternating from one to the other, you're, it's almost like you're moving it back and forth. And that almost kind of sounds like you're stretching and compressing the waveform, which gives you the kind of psychological uh, interpretation that it is varying in pitch. And without a diagram, whatever I just said, is probably really confusing. But I think I understand it actually, which is really yeah, very shocking. Okay. <laughs> I think I've, I think I'm with yeah. you. Okay, good. Yeah. Hopefully that kind of made some sense, but that's, yeah. that's sort of my understanding of it. At least somebody yeah. else could probably give you a more thorough explanation, tell you why I'm completely wrong, but no, after like looking at the schematic and really analyzing it and reading a bit about it, that's kind of my understanding of it. This is a, this is fun to talk to somebody who kind of knows down to the nuts and bolts layer because a lot of people they they kind of start they start as players and modders without the background do you feel like having that engineering background has been very helpful or or do you think like it's a little bit of like i've heard some people think like oh yeah but you can't think creatively and i'm like well i don't think that's necessarily true what's what's your take on it? oh yeah okay well yeah they can't think creatively that's kind of dumb I mean, yeah, like engineers in typical, you know, um, they're not the most creative people, but, you know, like I said, I'm from a more artistic background. So I was more of like, you know, the odd man out in engineering where I'm the creative guy who got an engineering education. So, you know, yeah, if, if somebody's an engineer through and through, you know, maybe that's sort of part of their personality, but having that kind of education doesn't make you not creative. It just kind of gives you a better understanding of what's going on. You know, that's all it is. So I definitely think it helped me, but maybe not as much as most people would think it would. I mean, modern engineering is more about digital signal processing and, you know, digital control systems and stuff. Most of like musical effect technology is based on stuff from the fifties through the nineties. So, you know, that's not really taught in school anymore. It definitely gave me like a fundamental kind of understanding of you know, semiconductor theory and the kind of the physics of it. And that allowed me to kind of apply it as I was learning more and kind of get a deeper understanding. But a lot of the learning I did on my own, out of my own curiosity, you know, after the fact, once I started getting more into effects. 
So yeah, it's a mix of both for sure, but it helped give me the fundamentals for sure. That's interesting that I, I didn't even think about that. That's the same, the same stuff that, that like, for instance, Keeley went to school for is not the same stuff that it was that maybe that even the same classes would have completely different material because things have changed so much. Oh yeah. There was like two pages in one of my textbooks about vacuum tubes. That's the most exposure we got to it in school. Like it's old technology kept alive probably purely for audiophile stuff and guitar apps. So what is, what is your take on that? Do you think that it is possible to recreate some of that, the, you know, quote unquote tube goodness that we, that we've come to love with modern technology? Uh, I mean, probably, but why? It's fun to, it's <laughs> a good point. You know, yeah. it's, you know, feeling is half of it. You know, if you like the feeling of playing through tubes and the knowledge that you're playing through tube amp, then it's doing its job. Yeah. It doesn't need, you know, it doesn't need to be replicated. I mean, it's great that it can be, and that serves its purpose for some people, but personally, like I know it doesn't matter, but I really do like playing through tube amp just because I know I'm playing through tube amp. It just kind of the knowledge makes it more enjoyable and it's totally psychological. It's kind of like having a different colored guitar. And it's like, yeah. I like the white one better. And therefore, I'm going to play better and think that it's better just because. Oh, it's absolutely. White. And, and you know, I've built like a bunch of amps for myself. Uh, I say a bunch of like, okay, I built like three amps for myself and, you know, fixed up a bunch of other ones. And, you know, I use, you know, nice high quality, like expensive parts in them, knowing that cheaper ones would be fine in the circumstances I'm using them. But, you know, it's like, I like the idea of using the, you know, nice stuff. And that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's, it's my money. I'm doing what I want with it. I'm the one that's going to be playing it. And I feel like, you know, people are totally welcome to do that. It's kind of when you get people who like, you know, extol the virtue of mojo parts to others that maybe, you know, that person wouldn't care otherwise, but they think they're actually going to get a tonal difference out of it. That really matters. That's when it kind of gets, you know, not as friendly and, you know, that's more of a gray area, I'd say. Yeah, you, like, know, and you'd have, you would have a lot of uh, insight to some of that stuff, too, I imagine. I, I My theory, without being a builder or engineer or anything, my theory has always been with, with certain things, like, like resistors is always the one I go to. As long as the resistor is resisting the amount that it's supposed to resist, what's it going to really do for you? Like, make sure making sure it's carbon comp. That's what I've always thought, is that an accurate way to think or what do you, what's your take on it? Basically all components are context dependent. So yes, like in a pedal. Yeah, it's pretty much. Yeah, correct. In an amp, yeah, there's some variation, like carbon comp resistors can definitely be noisier. Um, so having them in signal path, isn't always great, especially in like high gain amp. I read some, you know, thing, somebody had done some research on this and, I can neither quote where I heard this. So this is basically hearsay for you know, all intents and purposes. But I do recall reading an article where somebody had done some analysis, analyses, like frequency analysis and transient analysis of it and found the only place where a carbon comp resistor actually does add some harmonic uh, sweetness to the sound is as a plate load resistor. So, you know, I kind of make a point of doing that in the amps I build. It's like, yeah, it's kind of neat. That's interesting. Yeah. Were there any theories as to why, or can you remember? Uh, it's because I believe the higher um, the higher voltage being applied across it. You know, there's okay. a very high voltage being applied across it, you know, on the order of a few hundred volts. Um, and it's varying a lot, you know, as your signal goes through that, um, that voltage level varies. So, you know, there's with a high voltage level and the big variation, it's maybe there's a bit of uh, inductance in there that kind of, you know, frequency selective response is what you're getting out of it. Okay. Okay. I, I believe that's the case. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Huh. Huh. But I mean, so, you know, it was much, you know, it's just a little bit, but again, they look super cool. And so, yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yeah. So if that matters to you, then, it matters. I've come to realize how how many things in in my life. When I was a teenager and when I was younger, I just I pretended that like looks and appearance didn't matter to me that much. 
kind of like most yeah. dudes like oh yeah what do i care like it's just a whatever you know like i don't care oh totally yeah i'm so cool why would i care um and uh i come to realize as i've gotten older like they matter a lot and they matter to almost everyone regardless of if they think they do or not which is kind of yeah. a, a strange juxtaposition in fact the guys that say they don't care in fact, do care or people who say they don't care generally do care the most. <laughs> Not all the time, but that's what I well, found. I mean, the whole ethos of apathy is cool, though. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a, a mask. But, you know, everybody cares about something that's unless true. they like, you know, have psychological issues, in which case, you know. That's a whole nother yeah, can like, of worms. And it's in exactly and exactly. But I mean, you know, your standard person like, you know, they care and you'd rather have you know pretty things around you at least you know following your definition of pretty yes. you know be that kind of like gothic and black or you know bright and fluffy or somewhere in between you know you want to surround yourself with things that you enjoy the aesthetic of which which reminds me uh, i i had a flashback uh after we we were emailing to get this this on the uh, on the books and i i I just remember remembered this today, but uh, we actually did meet at Nam, and I don't know if you remember or knew or knew that you were talking to me. Um, um, I don't recall knowing I was meeting you. We were at the String Joy shop. Uh, I believe you were there, and we were oh, talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were, yeah, we were talking about somebody's PCBs, and you looked me dead in the eye and told me I was wrong. Then I remembered. Oh yeah, we have talked before. <laughs> oh, what did you say? What were you wrong about? <laughs> I was wrong. Uh, let me see. Without throwing anybody, I'm just interested if if I was joking because like that's no, you totally my style you, of humor. You you totally were joking. I'm giving you a hard time right now. Okay. Uh, oh, I'm trying. Yeah, to no. Re- I mean, if you're wrong, then I'm not apologizing either, though. Oh well, I probably was kind of wrong, but uh, okay. I'm always wrong. I'm wrong all well, the how time. How dare you? I know what. What a terrible person. I'm just gonna shut this down. We'll just we'll come back to this later. You know, as long as you admit it, that's the first step. I, I don't even know what to do anymore. There's so many hours of me talking on the internet, probably saying wrong things. I just assume that most of my opinions are incorrect. That's just the best way for me to operate anymore. That way, when somebody calls me out on it, I'm like, yeah, well, you're right. <laughs> I don't have to worry yeah, about that's, it anymore. That's actually a good way to let it roll off you. Good. Yeah. Good. But no, uh, we, were, we, were, we were debating the merits of the attractiveness of this. Is, well, for the audience, this is how nerdy it gets at Nam. This is how big a dorks we are. We were debating the attractiveness of somebody's circuit board layout. That is how. Was it Electro it, Foods? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. Matt and I, um, we, we go back and forth about this. We, we joke about it a lot. Like, I think they they look they, they like give me nausea the way he does them, <laughs> and I I'm not hesitant to tell him that. But we joke about it like it's all you know it's all in good fun. I, I was down in Philadelphia the weekend before last, and I finally got to meet him in person. And so when I first met him, it, like he walked up to me and I shook his hand. I was like, I hate your work. <laughs> Everybody was listening though, so everybody was just laughing. I was like, oh shit. Uh- <laughs> I hate, oh, hi, Matt. I hate your work. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know it was all in good fun. So. Yeah, it is. It is all in good fun. I, and I, and I remember like, it all kind of came back to me. The reason I remember it is because their, their PCB, like a layout they did, like popped up in my, in my Instagram. I'm like, oh yeah, I did talk to Steve briefly. And he told me I was wrong. Uh, Cause yeah. I, I said like that those layouts are not how like, well, I'm not like I do layouts, you know what I mean? That's not how I am envision a layout being, but I can mm-hmm. kind of understand why somebody would find it attractive. And you just looked at me and said, you're wrong. And I went, okay. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> no, nobody finds that attractive. Nobody. I do my nobody. Come on. I thought it was kind of cool well, in a punk, I mean, punk rock sort of way, you know, like, like, you know, like a bad tattoo is, is kind of good sometimes or a punk nope. cheese nacho is kind of good sometimes. Nope. Nope. No, 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 nope. none of that. You're not going to give me any of I it. Mean, I mean, pe- pe- people think that, but they're all wrong. Oh, okay. I see how it is. Yeah, I see how it is. Well, we'll get, we'll, we'll all figure out what kind of guy you are by the time we get to the end of this podcast and we'll see if your, your opinions hold any water. I, I know what I got to okay. ask you, which is not there okay. yet. We're not there yet in the conversation. That's 
okay. <laughs> no, I'm okay with that. So switching gears a little bit. So if that gives you nausea, what whose circuit boards absolutely do not give you nausea? Whose do you really like? Uh, um, I really, really like and respect uh, John Snyder from Electro uh, Electronic Audio Experiments. Oh, what's and that I know about anything. Oh, well, I mean... I'm totally kidding. Do, do you know? Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, he's been on the show. Like, we're we're, we're okay, gonna, He's doing a PhD in electrical engineering and is a you know, BSc in physics. So, Yeah, I know. Yeah. But like I said, what's he know about it? Yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> yeah. No, John. John's amazing. Yeah, total casual. Uh, so you um, like John? Who yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think right now. I mean, there are plenty out there. Um, the the Moog boards are crazy from their like little uh, mini Fugers. And oh, I've never the seen Fugers, I'm sure they're intensely packed. I mean, I don't know if I'd want them to be mine to be as packed as that, but they're intense. Oh, okay. Another, like, I'm thinking like surface mount uh, stuff in gridding right now, but you know, going in a different direction, um, 10 from six degrees effects has probably oh, the most beautiful yes. internals. Yeah. I've ever seen ever. Absolutely. 100%. They're so good. Yeah. They're works of art. It's like, they just also happen to function as pedals. Yeah. I, I got, I yeah. have one of his, uh, R3 anniversary editions. And I, the first thing I did, cause I knew I was like, I'm not even plugging this in yet. We're opening this bad boy up, taking a look. Oh, absolutely. And he was 100%, like, yeah. he was like, Hey, I'm sorry. This one's not as clean. And I'm like, uh, it's not, it's not okay. I yeah. don't see. I literally don't know what he's talking about. I'm like, it looks perfect as far as I can tell. So yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, he's he's a he is yeah he is it together. So his yeah his definition of not clean is probably you know way everyone else yeah yeah yeah. So what I also I need to ask you like what's up with the what's up with Canada? Why is Canada like building all of the cool stuff right now? Like, you got you up there. You got millimetric. Oh, we're all having fun right now. Oh man, you guys are killing it. So so killing yeah. it with the with the guitars and and pedals especially. It's yeah, just we're nuts. just having fun with our stuff right now. Are you guys as yeah. tight knit as, as as I mean I know Canada is a big country, but it seems like you know there's a couple guys in Montreal. I I don't know where Manitoba is in respect to that. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. I'm not good Manitoba, at my like the like literal um, center of Canada is just like maybe a couple kilometers outside of Winnipeg. So we're right in the middle. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. yeah. So do you guys and get to really meet nothing up on the other side? Oh, nothing. Just no. wasteland. Oh yeah. No, no, no vast swaths of nothing. But I mean, that, that's most of Canada. Like there's a few really densely populated regions, but they're quite disparate. You know, they're not close together. That's true. That That's true. So, I mean, I met a few, like I met Scott from uh, Montreal Assembly at NAM. Nope. Yes. Yes, NAM. And uh, let's see, other Canadians, other Canadians. I'm sure I met another Canadian there, but no, I can't think of any. You, you met a, a Oregonian via Canada, probably. Solid Gold had a, had a board there, but Alex is from Portland, so that's not exactly the same I'm, thing. Same case as me and you. I think if we met, I don't recall, you know, us acknowledging who each other were or anything. So, yeah, we might have spoken, but I don't think I met met him. Yeah. It's a, it's just such a, it's, this is such a weird industry. Cause like you said, you, you met, you met people at NAM, and it's like, it's like, I didn't meet like uh, Jack DeVille. He's uh he's local to me. Very close. Um, we, we know each other pretty well now, but the first time I met him was in Anaheim. He lives like, 15 miles from my house <laughs> so it's beautiful like, it's it's one no, of those things hilarious yeah yeah travel to a different state to meet somebody who's just like your neighbor yep happens all the time yeah especially yeah, but i mean i'm going to um, montreal for sonore in i guess it's next month and so i'll be meeting a few you know quite a few more of them like seb from ground control it's gonna be there for sure you got to say hi to how to say hi to Florian for me while you're there. He's he puts he helps put that together, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I believe he's in charge of it. I could be wrong with it though. Flo- that'd be Florian from uh, Millimetric Instruments for all. Yes, of yes, that's correct. It's correct. I'm terrible with names, so he's he's been on a couple times, and I uh, I have one of his 
one of his guitars and they're brilliant. So, Oh really? Yeah. I've heard he's got quite some waiting list these days. Yeah. I got really lucky and found him fairly early and the extreme, the exchange rate was extremely favorable. So it was like a no brainer not to, and, uh, ordered one ordered the, it's actually the first baritone that he made. That's, that's pretty, awesome. Pretty special. It's pretty, I think it's a, his work is, it's so nice. His, his fret work is like so beautiful. I could just look at it. I was really long. impressed when I first came across him. Cause like, you know, you think guitars have been around forever. There's no like new aesthetic, but he really has an aesthetic. Like you can tell one of his guitars right away. Yeah. Yeah. And I get it. Like they're not for everybody. Like it, it's, it's definitely polarizing to a lot of people and he knows it. But for me, especially the single cut, slightly offset. I always get his numbers mixed up. They're all numbers and I can't remember which one's which, but it's just oh, like all his models are numbers. Yeah. There's like an M it's like M MG. I don't remember. I'm going to butcher it and he's going to be so mad at me because I know he listens, but I, I know uh, how he feels. I'm the same way. <laughs> all my models are numbers. I don't, I can't even, I can't hardly remember birthdays. Numbers are not my, my thing, but if it was called like the dragon slayer, I would super remember that. I don't know. Yeah. So I I was thinking about this the other day. How long have you been doing pedals like as your main source of, of income or your main thing? How long has that, that been um, be, the case? since the beginning of March this year? Okay. So pretty, pretty recently then. Yeah. Yeah. I put in my notice at my full-time job at the beginning of February and they were like, um, all right, can we keep you on until like, you know, beginning of March so we can get somebody else trained. And so, yeah. Yeah, I was in charge of a pretty big project, so kind of had a lot to explain and prepare. So, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Was that, did you feel pretty, pretty good about that? Or was that a little bit, a little bit nerve wracking or how, how was that process for you? Well, I mean, it had been in the back of my head for a few months at that point. Um, at that time, my waiting list was at 200 and, you know, I would do a batch of 10 and I was doing this all on my like nights and stuff doing batch 10 every two weeks. And like, by the time I had finished that, the waiting list was back at 200. It's like, well, this is just unsustainable. So I don't know. I kind of started thinking it's starting to look like really dumb, not to jump on this opportunity, especially since I enjoy this way more. Right. Yeah. I, so, you know, it, it was nerve wracking for sure. Like it always will be uh, to make a big life change like that. But, you know, I was fairly confident in it too. So, and it's I've always I've always been kind of interested in the entrepreneurship side of things and and paying attention to that stuff. And so, like, for me, it was it was always I felt like once I got into it, that was probably going to be the natural endpoint was me leaving my job I was at. And it never it was never as scary as I anticipated. I mean, obviously, there's some level of of nerves with anything that you do. But I expected to be like terrified to quit my job because I'd worked for somebody else forever. That's all I ever planned on doing. That's all I knew I was going to do when I like set out as a career. And yeah, for sure. So to like just throw that, not throw it away because I could always go back to it, but to to just kind of be like, well, never mind. And just go go off into the seemingly into the wilderness. It, it, it wasn't as scary as I thought it would be. That's That's been my experience with it anyway. Yeah, I mean, you know, every day you're still the same person. You still, you know, you're still there with yourself. And, you know, unless you're have a lot of like anxiety about it, it's pretty easy to live one day to the next and just kind of see it through as it goes. Do you have any input or uh, maybe some suggestions for somebody who's trying to also make that leap? Uh, well, I mean, if they're ready to make that leap, they're probably in a pretty good place already. If they're trying to work their way up to it, that's different, though. It is uh, it's definitely know. different. Like, like, I mean, if they're already at the point where they're thinking about making that leap, I'd just tell them to look at look at it and see if it seems reasonable. Like, at the rate I was going, I like making pedals. I had about enough work for another six months if nobody signed up for on my waiting list after that. You know, and I figured, you know, that's reasonable. Um, that's a good time, you know, to kind of test the waters and see if it works out or not. And I mean, with my education and background and, you know, job, it wouldn't look terrible on a resume to have this as, you know, a thing on my resume. So yeah. that's true. That's no true. harm done. That yeah. is true. 
So it's what a bit do- tougher if it's not your, you know, background or education or job. Right. That's true. I, I don't know. Uh, this, what I'm doing now, I'm not sure if it looks really bad on my resume or like really good. Cause it's a hard right turn. So I'm not, I'm not even sure if, uh, I think I think I might be one of those guys with two resumes because there's such wildly different, you know, paths yeah. to, to, of work. It's like, they're, they're almost, it's, it's strange to even consider them the same thing. They're so different. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, yeah. So I don't know where I'm going with that line of thought, but kind of uh, jack of all <laughs> trades. So, you know, if you're going to tailor your resume, there's lots of stuff you'll, you know, you've got lots of stuff to pick from. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a wide ranging background. And, and when I look at it on paper, it doesn't really make any sense, but Hey, I suppose that's life. That is life indeed. So I was, I was curious about something. So like in all of this, you know, pedal building thing, I, I, I'm pretty sure you've had the same experiences that I have, but I'm wondering, was it surprising to you how kind of open and inviting this community was? Or did, was it what you expected or how, what, what are your thoughts on that? I can't recall being surprised by it, but you know, I was, it was definitely nice to, you know, I was, I was never at any point. I don't think I expected it to be as no. Hmm. Sorry. I'm just kind of talking while I'm trying to think here. Um, I guess I was a bit surprised. Yeah. A little bit, but at the same time, I didn't expect, you know, everybody to be super competitive and, you know, secretive with each other, but, um, it didn't shock me, but it has been nice. Same time. Like everybody's very almost community minded. Um, everybody along the same level, you know, and yeah, really friendly, really sharing. We don't think of ourselves as competitors because you know, why? Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's like you are, but at the same time, not really. This is definitely one of yeah. those rising tide raises all ships type of situation, at least as far as I can tell. And yeah, I mean, there's always there was always room for one more good one. Like, yeah. Oh, I like that you put that caveat on there. <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if, if somebody like comes out of the woodwork with something really popular and everybody's kind of like, you know, thinks they're doing something kind of original and unique, you know, everybody pays attention. It's not like, oh, no, not one more to compete against. That's yeah, true. So. That's true. Yeah. The, the good stuff that everyone gets excited about the good stuff. Like, I don't yeah, think definitely. I don't think I don't think Joel came on the, the pedal scene and everyone was like, oh, great. Another one of those. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. You know, it's kind of a situation is like, I didn't, I didn't expect to get popular. I expected it, my thing to be like making a bit of money on the side, you know, in addition to my full-time job and not get notorious at all. But, you know, I was kind of most surprised by how quickly, you know, I got name recognition. Um, and that was interesting to me. And I feel like, you know, I have no background in business. I have no idea about marketing. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm stumbling through this like completely blind and just like making happy mistakes that turn out to be successful. And it's kind of <laughs> like, all right. So I've kind of learned to trust my gut on a lot of things. And yeah, like I said, no idea what I'm doing, but my gut is usually right. So yeah, who knows? Well, but, you know what? You- Outside looking in, it looks like you know what you're doing. So keep going with that gut. That seems to work. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I always have an idea of what I should do. Um, so in that case, I do know what I'm doing, but I mean, I have no um, credentials in terms of like, yes, I have studied and learned and mentored um, so that I do know what I'm doing. It's like, no, for some reason, I just make the correct choices and I don't get it, but I've learned to trust it. So that, eh, that, who knows? Hey, I, I will. I it's something I I say on a fairly regular basis. I will 100 percent take luck over skill anytime, anytime. Give me luck all the time. I'll take it. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. It it served me better than any skill that I've ever learned. Just being in the right place at the right time. It's it seems has been better for my life than actually learning things. Not that you shouldn't actually learn things. I'm not saying that at all. And I mean, I really do like learning things on top of things. Like, I don't know, I try to learn everything, 
you know, do everything myself. Um, like I do my all my own graphics and uh, artwork and everything. So all the graphic design associated with my company, um, except for my friend helping with my logo design, uh, Gabe Cyril's, he's awesome. Um, but you know, I do all that actual like artwork myself. Um, so pedal graphics and everything. And I, you know, do the PCB layout and the circuit design myself and I assemble it myself. So, you know, I have a lot of creative control. And so I think that helps me, you know, kind of push things in the directions I want to go and nudge them if I feel like another direction might be better and I kind of want to just slowly get there. Yeah. Yeah. This is just me trying to justify things after the fact as to why things <laughs> work. Is there any point, I, I hear this a lot with, with business owners of various sorts. It's that some of the hardest, one of the hardest things to do, especially for somebody like yourself is to let go of some of those responsibilities. I don't, you know, you may not be to that point yet, but I know a lot of people, they get to a point where it's like, I cannot do all of this anymore. Like I don't have oh, 100%. capacity. Yeah, no, I'm totally pat at that point and past it and kind of putting off, you know, taking the next step a little bit. But um, so what I've been doing is um, moving towards um, surface map component um, designs you know, just using surface mount components because, and doing that all by hand, like I use tweezers to like place the components myself. You're crazy yeah. like Ryan from Dr. Scientist. Yes, exactly. You know, I've got a little like retrofitted toaster oven with a, a PID controller on it that, you know, works as a surface mount oven. Uh, so do that. And yeah, I mean, I do that. But the idea is that once like I've uh, gotten a design, I'm happy with like a hundred percent and want and don't feel like I'll want to make a change, you know, in a month. I can order like 200 of them to be automatically assembled. Because, you know, uh, surface mount components can be assembled by machines with far more ac accuracy and, you know, um, accuracy, there's another word for it, but uh, reliability than I can do, like by hand. So I'll just do that. So basically, I'm preparing things to go in that direction, like I'm saying, nudging them. Um, slowly, so that when I'm ready to take that leap, everything is in place. I feel like that, and I think this is the tide starting to turn on that. But the the whole through hole versus SMT stuff has been a debate for a while, and it it seems Only like people are idiots. <laughs> I was gonna say it seems like the tide is starting to turn, though. I think people are finally starting to understand that, like, in many ways, not not in every case, but in many ways, some of the SMT stuff is, A, better, and B, like, re results in, like, a low, lower noise, better quality product, in in not every case, but in many cases. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, it, less wire. There's yeah. shorter traces and less wire. It's way lower noise, especially for high-gain stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's literally no reason to avoid it. You know, it's welcome to the 80s, guys. This is right. very old technology at this point. <laughs> it like, I mean, like everything you've ever heard sound come out of has been made using surface mount component components. Like if you're 30 or under, you've like, <laughs> we're way past the point where, you know, we grew up with radios with through hole components. So saying, you know, you don't like how it sounds like that is absolutely idiotic. I don't know. That's, That's a good point. That's a good point. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. keeping in mind that some of the people who saying who are saying that are listening on their iPhone. So, well, exactly. It's like, no, at this point, like you don't listen to anything through something with through hole components, you know? <laughs> so I don't know. You're, if your like pedal is the only thing with through hole components, like if your pedal has through hole components only, it is the outlier in your life as an audio device. <laughs> like, I don't know. Your pedal's the yeah, weird yeah. one, is what we're yeah, saying. Yeah, and I mean, like, like all the mo Mojo stuff I was seeing before, I, I, I don't really buy into that for pedals as much. I mean, there's some cases where I do, but by and large, like, in amplifiers, I don't know, I feel like at a higher power, like, uh, you know, context starts being more important in component tolerances and how components behave, like, at really high voltages and stuff. So, I mean, at a low voltage thing like pedals, it's like, whatever, guys, whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You heard it yeah. here first. Actually, probably not first. Surely it's not the first time you heard that. 
And I mean, I'm, I'm not the like end all be all authority on this. And I might change my opinion, you know, even a year from now, but right here, right now, like it's by and large, a lot of things that people are afraid of like surface map. No, it doesn't matter. Like literally at all. I always say just use the right things in the right places. doesn't matter yeah. what they are. That's what that's yeah. end of the story. Yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, I think the components used matter a whole lot less than the skill of the person designing the layout. You know, good layouts can be done with anything. Um, and, you know, you know, uh, through hole design can be superior, like by far to a surface mount design, because the person designing surface mount design might be terrible at it. So, you know, there is that factor in there too. So this is something I, I like to, you you mentioned about layouts, and this, I remember like one of the craziest aha moments I had was years ago when I was listening to the original, uh, the original version of the Chasing Tone podcast before this other guy came on and ruined it. Um, that's me. I don't know if you listen or not, but that's me. It's the other guy. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, was trying, I was trying not to audibly laugh at you, sorry. Right. Um, and... And when Brian was like, oh, yeah, layout will change how it sounds, because in my head, I was just like, oh, just this just the schematic matters like the, tr you know, the way the the electricity travels to different components. It's like it's just yeah, that's what matters. Like you can th throw it on a board is what I had in my head for some reason. Yeah, I mean, that that's like kind of like the first layer of looking at circuits and, you know, understanding them at that level. Fine. But then you kind of get into other factors like, you know, along with a, a like an electric wave comes a magnetic wave. So you have a lot of like electromagnetic stuff, especially in guitar amps, like laying out a guitar amp is way harder than laying out a pedal, for example, because you've got like the power transformer in there. That's just shooting off really like big electromagnetic waves that can very much interfere with, you know, your preamp circuitry. So yeah, there's a lot to consider, but you know, in, in low voltage, things like pedals, there's much less to consider, but yeah. Yeah, Leo can definitely change how things sound. I learned something not every time I record an episode, but almost every time. And I never, I knew that it existed, obviously, but I never gave one ounce of thought to the impact that the electromagnetics might have on a, on an amp circuit. I've never, never, oh, that's yeah. never entered my brain before, ever. Oh, yeah. Like, um, your, so your power transformer is always going to be mounted at 90 degrees to your output transformer so that, you know, the, they, the waves go kind of like in opposite directions and don't couple to each other. Yeah. I knew really that they stuff. did that, but I had no idea there was an actual reason for it. Jeez, this is awesome. My brain is just exploding right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they're facing the same direction, they'll, they'll kind of like couple onto each other and I see each other, but I mean, the power transformer is way more powerful. So it's more like it's coupling onto the output transformer and you get some hum. Huh? Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's why, like, your power transformers are, like, the other side of the amp than your input, always. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is all starting to make a lot more sense now. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, all the careful, like, attention to shielding, if you've got shielded wire in your amp, it'll all be probably before the first preamp, uh, like, you know, tube. Mm -hmm. And maybe a bit after, but, you know, after that point, the signal is big enough that a little bit of coupled radiation isn't going to like, you know, be huge in proportion to the actual signal itself. You're talking about, yeah. like, you're talking about the additional noise that would be introduced, right? Yeah. Yeah. Any hum. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, it's when the signal's really small that you, that you have to avoid coupling that hum onto it because then it'll get amplified in addition, you know, along with the signal and they'll grow together. But as long as like you can keep it out for the first one or two stages, the signal is then big enough that, you know, it's kind of negligible. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So yeah. in, in regards to pedal boards, this might be a silly question and probably is, but is there anything outside of, you know, using a good power supply and good cables to consider when trying to eliminate hum or at least reduce it as much as possible in, on your, in your chain? I mean, there are lots of like funny ways you can, come across issues, but there's nothing like, you know, on a generic, you know, non case by case basis. No, uh, 
you know, ground loops can be an issue if you've got a kind of non-standard setup. Sometimes um, wall circuits are really noisy, which is really weird when it happens because you might not realize what's going on. But, you know, if you've got a really noisy board somewhere, like maybe you move into a new apartment and you're plugging in, it's like, why is this so noisy? Try a different wall circuit, like a different outlet, because some are just noisier than others. And some have other things on the circuit that are causing it to be noisy that you can't get rid of, too. That's, yeah, that's pretty much what I think it is, but, you know. One time, and I've told this story before, but it was quite a while ago, and I don't remember if it was on this podcast, but a friend of mine has a really nice studio here in town and he it was a fresh freshly built studio everything was great but he had this really strange noise that and you know he spent a lot of time and money and research to try to make sure that this wouldn't happen and he couldn't figure out what it was it turns out it was his electric dog fence that goes around his property was introducing noise somehow through all of the filtering and everything that he did somehow he was still getting noise from his electric dog fence uh, in into the studio, which is not something. I mean, it's almost entirely separate. Like the studio is on its own panel and everything, but somehow, uh, I guess that that had an impact. It's it's insane. Like there, you know, you you, know, you never know everything, and you'll never be able to figure out everything. Sometimes those problems are just basically black magic. And that is yeah. uh, that is in true that is true in life as much as it is in, is in electronics as well. I feel like you just you don't have to. We don't, we're never going to figure it all out. Oh yeah, and you don't always have to know the like final answer. It's like oh well, that was the issue. How do we get rid of it? You know, yeah, you don't exactly. need to know. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It's like I don't care why. Sometimes I do. I, sometimes I do care why. Sometimes I don't. Let's just make it go away. And sometimes you don't want to care why, but you know that it's best if you find it out so you can avoid it in the future. You know, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I find that a lot with uh, debugging like prototypes and stuff. It's like, uh, I better figure out why this is happening. So, you know, next time it happens, I know what's going on. Right. Or just don't do it. Yeah. Whatever the case. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it, it's a it's way easier to just like, oh, let's throw away this board and try another one. But no, you know, sometimes that's the answer. Sometimes it's not. Well, Steve, this has been a really great talk. Uh, you know, this has been, you know, despite you crushing my my feelings and and my emotions here occasionally. You're still uh, wrong. I, I might be, but maybe I'm not. Who knows? Only time will maybe. tell. Only time will tell. And I think this is the point in which we'll decide, we'll truly decide if I can take your opinion seriously or not. Okay. This is the final question. What kind of pizza do you like? Pepperoni and cheese. Okay, I can trust your opinions. All right, all right, we're fine. Okay, okay, I'm wrong. Yeah, That's but it needs ranch dipping sauce as well. So. Oh, never mind. Whoa, 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 whoa. Never mind. Pump those brakes. I can't yeah. trust you. I can't trust you. It's okay. podcast over. It's okay. Why are you putting yeah, ranch no, dressing that, that, on your pizza? Is your pizza broken? Pizza. I dipped the pizza in the ranch dressing. Okay, why are you introducing ranch dressing into the pizza equation? What's wrong with your pizza that it needs what, ranch what dressing? What are you introducing? It was already there. You know, it's you know, it's it's part of it. It just it's like you know, some some assembly required. No, 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 no. There was never there, no one in Italy was like, you know, what this needs weird, creamy nonsense sauce. Where's my hidden valley? No, oh, no one ever oh, did that. Wait, no, no, no. Italian pizza? No, that's more like. Fluffy cake. Eh, no, no, no. Talking American pizza here. It, yeah, American. Yeah, you, you don't you dip your pizza in Ranch in New York City. You're liable to get shot. I think. I think that's how that works. Well, I mean, maybe. I don't really know. The whole, <laughs> like, you know, I don't know gun etiquette. I'm from Canada. We stab our people here like civilized people. Okay? Oh, you're right. That is how Canadians. I thought you would just compliment each other to death. Um, maybe, but like, I don't know. Like Canadian compliments are more like veiled insults and threats, you know. Is that like so, kind of like this the southern version, like su- the you know in southern yes. America, like the bless your heart? You guys have that kind um, of thing. Southern America is Brazil, I think you mean. Well, no, no, no. Like southern, no, that's South America. They I mean, speak, like southern yeah, United States. Yes, southern United States. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. Bless your heart. Yes, exactly. So, what's the Canadian and version like, of bless your heart? Well, a lot of times, you know, sorry, well, you know, well, you're trying to 
elbow your way through a crowd or something. It's more like, you know, why are you little? <laughs> <laughs> so your yeah. sorries are a bless your heart in some ways. Or sorry. It's context dependent for sure. It's just an all around, you know, useful phrase. Interesting. Yeah. So next and thing. I mean, it makes it, us look like we're very polite. I mean, that's, that is definitely my perception of the Canadians is that you're very polite individuals, but now I'm starting to, your, this experience with you is starting to change that. I don't think that it's. Oh, no, no, no. I'm a jerk. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm, man. No, I'm ru- not representative. You've ruined Canada for me. I can't go to Canada anymore. I, well, I ruined, I ruined Canada in general. So. <laughs> I'm going to get that soundbite. We're going to put it all over the internet. Steve Demidash ruined Canada. Thank you. Well, <laughs> uh, all joking aside, I had a great time talking with you, ranch aside, and please tell people where they can find you on the internet and anything else you'd like to tell a whole bunch of people right now. Um, on the, oh, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, no, um, Instagram, my handle is Demidash Effects. Um, my website is www.demidasheffects.com. I, I get a lot of mileage out of this name, Demidash Effects, as you can see. And that's about it. I mean, you can go on, I have a Facebook page, but I don't use it. People try to contact me there sometimes. And I'm like, mm, no, my phone doesn't even let me respond to them. Kind of <laughs> weird. That's have that looked at. Yeah. You should probably figure that out. I, I mean, you might want to, people I might want to buy a pedal or two. I mean, yeah, life, several people are waiting to buy pedals from me as it currently stands. So yeah. And so people get on that mm. waiting list at your, at your website. Is that right? They got to email you. Um, there is a page on my your- website. They basically have to read through the entire page, right? Uh, like, or not, well, I mean, the details on how to join the waitlist and everything. And I just make sure people have read that because I want people to be aware of how long the wait time is. Currently, about a year. Um, and, you know, when they contact me. So I have a few things they have to provide in terms of information. I list that stuff on the site. And if they don't provide that, I know they haven't read the site. So I tell them to go read the site. So, you know, if you message me, you're like, oh, where can I buy a pedal? I'm just like, hmm, you should read the site. You know, get back to me if you're still interested because you're not going to get one for a while. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I have a similar yeah, I mean, I've got like If you in, try yeah. to join the Facebook group and you don't answer the questions, I'm not going to let you in. So if you've tried to join in the past and you didn't answer the questions and I deleted it, that's why. So you can join again, anyone who is listening to this and wondering why I didn't let you in. You didn't answer the questions. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good filter system. It really is. Permitive, but it works. Keeps the riffraff out. Yeah, we don't want any riffraff in there. All right, Steve. Thanks. This has been great. And I hope you all have a good one. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, there, 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 there you have it. Another one in the can. I hope you enjoyed that episode, and make sure you go check out all Steve's projects and stuff on the interwebs. It's really cool stuff. I really, really like it, and uh, you've probably seen it around a time or two. And if you haven't, well, feast your ears and your eyes. It's going to be great. Also, do not forget about the Autism Rocks raffle going on that the effects loop is putting on. Uh, Again, the link is in the show notes for that. But make sure you get in there. We're going to try to raise some money for a great, great cause. And you might win some free gear. Or not free, but really cool gear. So slide over there, check it out. And uh, you only got seven more days. As of, as of when this podcast episode is dropped, there's only seven more days. So slide over and check it out. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to tonemob.com stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? 
Again, the link for that is tonemob.com slash stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gun Street harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check them out.